0: Welcome to the Lake City High School Collaboratory, where options turn into opportunities. For today's podcast episode, I am joined by Mrs. Amy Alderman, our college prep teacher here at Lake City, and we are going to talk about scholarships. Thank you for joining
1: me. You are so
0: welcome. Thank you for having me. So let's get started. Scholarships. Yes. I have uh, parents from all grade levels inquiring about scholarships. Obviously, it's probably most significant right now for our seniors, Absolutely. Uh, but other parents of other grade levels are also asking what they can be doing now to be considering this avenue for paying for college. So sure. what can students uh, of senior, or sorry, excuse me, parents of seniors and seniors themselves be considering right now for scholarship applications and what can other grade level grade levels be considering?
1: Sure. I get those questions a lot too. So the for sophomores and juniors, there are scholarships out there that exist for college. They're rare um, and they're a little bit hard to find. They're usually low dollar amount what i usually tell them is you can you can totally go search for those and and try them right now but in my personal opinion there are more effective things that you could be doing right now rather than scholarships there was there's going to be a flood of scholarships available to you when you're a senior that will be much more tailored to you and your specific situation in terms of where you're going to school what area of study you're going into you will have a long list of options when you're a senior When you're a sophomore and a junior, your options are extremely limited. So I usually recommend to my students who aren't seniors to start focusing on things other than scholarships because there are things that you can be doing to start padding your application portfolios and your paper appearance Mm -hmm. for colleges that aren't scholarship based. So for example, obviously working on your grades. Um, I have a lot of sophomores and juniors who had maybe a rough semester or three when they first transferred into high school and their GPA isn't what they want it to be. There are things that you can start to do to focus on getting your GPA back to where you want it to be, or if you are already in a happy GPA spot, you can do things that will keep that trend going. Colleges, have a fairly finite list of things they want to see about your grades and things they don't want to see about your grades. One of the biggest things that they want to see is that you're challenging yourself. So for example, I'm not saying load up on six AP classes Mm because that's dangerous Mm -hmm. and unhealthy, but you can maybe add in one AP class or two, or even take... um, an ALP or an honors course, or load up on a diverse elective or two. Colleges really like to see that you're taking things that are outside the norm. Take a computer science class. Take one of our um, many art classes. Take one of our prof tech classes. Take um, an elective that isn't necessarily something that every school would have, where colleges would look at that on your transcript and go, oh, that's a fun class. I wonder why they took that. It gives you a little bit more texture, a little bit more variety, a little bit more interest in your... um, Paperwork. They also like to see that your grades are either staying steady or obviously increasing. What what colleges don't like to see is the downward trend as you get into your junior and senior year. They don't like to see you taking easier classes, for example, which is always a rough one for my seniors because a lot of them think that they've earned it by senior year. And I don't disagree. But if you're looking at colleges, they don't necessarily want to see that you challenged yourself with AP and honors classes for your first three years and then stopped all of that your senior year and gave yourself a break and you TA'd twice and took weights and had early release and late arrival. That's probably not the message that you want to be sending. So sophomores and juniors can start structuring their schedules in such a way as to tell the story they want colleges to see right now. That's nice. always a smart move. Um also, you can start to pad your resume, as it were, for colleges by rounding yourself out. Colleges like to see a well-rounded student. So we're talking about things like getting involved in extracurriculars. And I'm not just talking about sports. I have a lot of students that come to me and say, well, I'm not an athlete, so what can I even do at Lake City We have a long list of clubs and organizations you can get involved in, and they a lot of times don't necessarily have to be something that you are good at. You don't have to have a talent. It's just that you want to become involved in something. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got Harry Potter Club. We've got Key Club. We've got all kinds of things that look really great on college applications because it shows you're getting involved in your school in other ways besides academics, and they really want to see that. But it's not necessarily something that is Mm talent-based. So that's something that I I always tell my kids because a lot of them aren't really aware of that. Colleges also really like volunteering. And a lot of my kids know that, but they don't really know what that looks like. So when I say volunteering for colleges, what I don't mean is you went to a soup kitchen once around (laughs) Thanksgiving when you were 10 and never did it again. Does that count for volunteering? Like, (laughs) yeah, and then no. Colleges want to see that you do volunteering on a consistent basis, that you've made it a part of your life. Um, we have a program here on campus called YVA Youth Volunteers in Action, where you get um, up to 80 community service hours in a given semester. And we have a lot of students do that for the purpose of college applications. And I think that's extremely smart. Um, otherwise, if you are involved in something like through um, a youth group or a church or from a, a club here on campus and you go out into the community and volunteer, on at least a semi-regular basis. Those are things that you could add in, but if you don't have any volunteering hours, that would be something that sophomores and juniors could start looking at now, so that they don't have to try cramming it into their senior year, while they're doing everything else to get ready for college as well.
0: hmm okay. Uh, so for seniors, when I went into senior classes, Uh, early fall, September, October, we had gone through career cruising. And again, I I know that I've mentioned this time and time again in some podcasts, but the Coeur School District utilizes career cruising as a career and college database and research tool. And it's really great as far as a scholarship tool as well. Uh, Students can do what's called a scholarship selector, And that basically allows them a 10 minute questionnaire to get the most out of who they are as a person, um, what their interests are, what their grade level is, what they intend to study, things like that. And at the end of that questionnaire, their scholarship availability is tailored to what they answered. And so career cruising is a great tool that is available to every single student in the Coeur d'Alene school district to check out. And I would definitely encourage seniors to utilize that as a resource. Absolutely. Um, But additionally, and I know that you'll talk about this too, Um, local scholarships that we have constantly posted here in the Counseling Center, there are a lot of local institutions that might not have a website. They might not have a means of getting this information out other than just emailing me an essay prompt in saying, hey, this is the deadline. Can you get this out to your students? So we in the Counseling Center are curating a ton of different scholarships that aren't ever going to be available if you search for it online. And these are scholarships that probably 50 or less students might apply for, probably even a lot fewer than that. Um, so the chances of actually receiving that scholarship is really high. And I know, Miss Alderman, that you'll talk about this. Mm-hmm. but. Yeah.
1: When we talk about scholarships in my senior class, um, that's one of the first things we talk about is how to even get started. And the first thing that I usually tell my kids is, um, for the love of Pete, don't go Google college scholarships right. and just start running down the list. That's probably the opposite of what you want to do.
0: Quick reminder to never pay for a scholarship <laughs> no, website. Never. Ever. Do scam. not pay money to get money. Scam alert. Yes. Yeah. Um, and high school kids are
1: ripe scam victims because right. they just don't know any better. And so a lot of these websites will try that and then they come to us afterwards and say, Oh yeah, it only costs this much to apply. And we go, No, because right. that's that's not real. Um When you are Googling college scholarships, what you're going to get back is a very long list of national-sized scholarships, and those are really attractive to high school kids because those are the ones that are $20,000, $50,000. They're huge amounts of money, and so they think that I can apply for that one, I'll get it, and then I'm done with my scholarship applications. But in reality, what happens is you get every single high school senior in the nation thinking that same thing. They all apply. You've got millions of applicants. Your chances of winning that scholarship are virtually nil, right. and you're wasting a lot of time and energy on that scholarship that you won't get because the applicant pool is just too big. Right. Um, so instead of doing that, what I recommend to my kids, the first place that I show them is, as Audrey just said, our college and career website on our school website, um, the Counseling Center and Audrey have made this beautiful list of local scholarships. And those are the ones that you have the best chance of getting the applicant pool is much smaller. In a lot of cases, it's even single digits mm-hmm. because depending on who um, the scholarship is looking for, they can be in some cases, extremely specific. We've got one, for example, that is only for Coraline School District students who have gone to Bora Elementary. For mm-hmm. our kids, that is a shockingly small number number of kids, but that's, that's the applicant pool. So I've got kids that apply for that every year. And I've known kids every year that have gotten that exact scholarship because the applicant pool is literally single digits. We've got um, scholarships for children of utility workers, children of a a Vista workers. We've got children of loggers. I mean, like those applicant pools are very small, but for those kids, that's a really cool opportunity Mm -hmm. that exists just for them. And then some are obviously much more broad. We've got most of the scholarships on that page. Your one requirement is that you have to be a student in our Coeur School District or in our area. And that is lovely because then the applicant pool is still, it might be in the dozens or hundreds, but it's not going to be in the millions. Right, It's a lot smaller. Um, we've even had some scholarships in past years where... It will be from the Elks Club or something. And I get contacted because they know that I work with seniors and we do scholarships and they say, hi, we've had no applicants and it's closing this Friday. Can you help us out? This happened once a couple years ago. So I screamed it from the rooftops to my kids and said, you need to apply for this. And mm-hmm. I had four of my kids who could get it, the application together in time, submitted it, and they liked all of them so much, they actually give the scholarship to all four of them. Wow. So basically that was a 100% approval rate right, for those kids. <laughs> so that's what I tell my kids all the time is that those are the scholarships you want to look for. No, they're not going to be $20,000 or $50,000. They're going to be $500 here, 1000 bucks there, 750 bucks here, maybe even 200 bucks. But I have had students in the past and I... I can't stress this strongly enough to my kids and anybody listening right now, I have had students who have piecemealed together their entire college tuition right. and have paid for 100% of their college education through 500 bucks here and a thousand bucks there. It is doable. And in a lot of cases for these local scholarships, what you have to do to apply is fairly simplistic. Mm -hmm. Every scholarship is going to require different things. Some require just an application. Some require an application essay. Some are going to require additional materials, like possibly references. Um, Some of them might require sample work. Mm -hmm. It kind of depends on what they're looking for and what they want to be able to um, evaluate these applications. And they can kind of make it be whatever they want. So... But in a lot of cases, it's not going to be a 20-page application. It's going to be something that is doable within, you know, an hour of work, Mm -hmm. which I tell my kids, an hour of work for $1,000, you're not going to find that that (laughs) cost-work ratio ever again. So it's worth it. And if you can do 10 of those and fund your entire education, it is absolutely worth it. Um, A lot of scholarships, too, are school-based. What I'm having right now is a lot of my seniors coming to me who have already been accepted to college and they're saying, hey, the college that I just got accepted to sent me another letter that says I'm qualified for these scholarships through Boise State. Like, what does that mean? Every school has a list of scholarships that are institution-based, which means that if you get accepted to that school and you actually do go to that school, Those are scholarships that you can use. Now, if you get accepted to Boise State and you fill out a scholarship for Boise State and you get it, and then you decide to transfer to U of I, Mm -hmm. that scholarship will not transfer with you because they're institution-based. Right. So a whole new world of scholarships opens up to you once you've applied to a school and you get accepted. Now you have a whole new list of scholarships that are qualified uh, that you're qualified for just because you're going to that school. So there's multiple avenues, multiple locations that you can start getting scholarships through. Another big one that I have a lot of kids um, ask about because they've heard it, but they don't really know what it means, is the WUE. Um, The WUE is, uh, the acronym is W-U-E, and it stands for Western Undergraduate Exchange. What that means is basically it's a reciprocity agreement between colleges in the West, and you can go on their website if you just Google wooey um, schools, like it'll mm-hmm. give you a list. And a lot of kids think that it's just like us in Montana and right. Oregon and Washington, but there are schools <laughs> like as far 16. east as North Dakota and mm-hmm. as far west as Hawaii and, and as far south as Arizona. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So they're everywhere. And what it basically does is it gives you. Um, you're allowed to go to an out-of-state school for something much closer to in-state tuition. It won't give you in-state, but it'll give you extremely close to it. And it depends on the school, how much money they'll give you, how close you get to that in-state line, and also um, what you are required to do to get the WUI. Some of them have a GPA requirement. Um, Some of them have a higher or lower GPA requirement. Some of them also have those supplemental materials because schools can kind of differentiate for themselves what they want the WUI to look like. Um, But I also have kids who... Google a school and say, oh, well, it doesn't say that they have the wooey." It says they have something. For example, Wazoo has the Cougar Pride mm-hmm. Scholarship. That's the WUI. Right. Um, every school names it something different, usually mascot-based or mm-hmm. institution-based in some way. For Wazoo, their wooey is called the Cougar Pride Scholarship. For Eastern Washington, theirs is called the Transfer Eagle Scholarship. So it, you kind of have to look and see what each place calls it, but then it'll tell you what their requirements are. It'll tell you what dollar amount. I just had a student who was asking about the Eastern one and the Transfer Eagle Scholarship. And it basically gives you a $12,000 scholarship um, that gets you down really close to what U of I would cost. For Mm -hmm. example, you're going to be paying about $2,000 more than U of I would cost to go to an out-of-state school. So the WUI is important, but there's some schools that offer it and some schools that don't. Those two Washington schools, for example, I just mentioned do. But if you want to go to UW in Seattle, they don't accept a WUI. So there's... Different requirements, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely worth looking into, especially if you're looking into an out-of-state school in the West somewhere. That's a great option.
0: And another thing, um, talking about the WUI as well as other scholarships, sometimes I think that students might read that something is renewable or non-renewable. right. And can you talk a little bit about that as far as like the WUI being renewable with certain GPA requirements or certain scholarships just being a one-time deal and what students can do? Sure. What I usually
1: tell my kids is if it doesn't say the word renewable in the description, then it's not, Mm -hmm. which basically means it's a one-time shot. They'll give it to you and it'll apply to this year's tuition, but then you're going to have to reapply for that scholarship if you're still qualified for it in subsequent years or go find other scholarships. Mm -hmm. Some scholarships are renewable. Which basically means that if you apply for it once and you qualify for it once, they will renew that scholarship for you for every year that you attend that institution. Some are GPA based; um, the WUI being one of the most notable ones for most schools. As long as you keep that GPA requirement when you're in college, then that scholarship is renewable as well. But if you don't, if you drop below, then you lose that scholarship. It's a it's the same thing I tell my kids. Um, like if you get an athletic scholarship if you stop playing that sport, then your scholarship goes away. Right. So the same applies for academics.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can we talk a little bit about the applications for scholarships themselves? what applications might actually involve and include and require. Um, In career cruising, for example, there are a bunch of different scholarships that say this requires an application essay and references, Mm -hmm. transcript, Mm -hmm. potentially a portfolio if you're considering a creative school, uh, things like that. So what advice do you have for students looking at applications? Um, And again, probably the same narrative that you would give related to College applications is just right. doing them early, right? Yeah, and often,
1: yes. Well, and the the references one is one I usually talk with my co- my my classes about immediately because that's one of the easiest things to the easiest boxes to tick, mm-hmm. and you can do it early. Um, I have a brag sheet in my room that is basically like a quick um, questionnaire about the basic background of you as a student. Because when you ask someone for a letter of rec, um, they only know you usually in a specific context. When I get asked for letters of rec by my students, I know them as a student in the classroom. But that doesn't necessarily mean I know anything about their employment outside of school or any extracurriculars they're involved in. I might not know their GPA off the top of my head, or if they've taken any advanced classes, I know them in the little pocket of time that I see them. And I can write a very nice few sentences about Mm -hmm. that relationship. But otherwise, it's going to be a pretty short, pretty simple letter of rec unless I have some more information to flesh it out. So a brag sheet's important so that whoever you ask to do a letter of rec for you can give you a nice, well-rounded letter of rec. So I have those in my room at all times, and my kids come in and snag one whenever they want to. But I even tell my juniors that In junior year, this would be a great time for you to start going out and collecting some letters of recommendation. Have teachers or employers or or coaches or whoever in your life that wants to fill out a letter of rec for you, have them send them to you digitally and just save them to your drive. So that when you get to senior year and you're doing college applications and scholarship applications, you can just copy and paste them. And then you don't have to worry about deadlines and what if they don't get the letter back to me in time. You already have them Mm -hmm. and they're nice and filed and ready to go. That's one of the easiest things that you can do early. And get that taken care of so that it's a little bit simpler for you during the application process. Um, Application essays can be a bit of a quagmire for a lot of my kids because they're asking you about yourself. And Mm -hmm. I have a lot of kids who don't really know how to answer that. Um, How personal do I get? How... um, how detailed do I get about my life? How Doesn't it sound kind of braggy? Like, am I sounding arrogant when I talk about how great I am? So all of these are kind of really common questions that I get asked, and they make a lot of sense. So we usually talk about a few different things when we're looking at application essays. For colleges, first of all, they absolutely do read application essays, whether it's for acceptance, for admissions, or for scholarships. They do get read. I have a lot of kids that say that, like, do people people even read these? Yeah, there's a human reading Mm -hmm. this. Um, And that human has their own life experiences, their own bias, their own thoughts. So you have to kind of remember that you're not writing for a robot. You're writing for a person. Right. The first question you have to ask yourself is, what is this college looking for out of this essay? What do they want from me? Because they totally do want something. Yes. What most colleges want is they want a little snapshot that would give them an opportunity to get to know you. And that's hard to do, especially in a you know thousand word count max. But you need to kind of attempt to distinguish yourself in some way and make yourself unique. And that's where we kind of walk into the... the The particular quagmire of how personal or how bland Mm -hmm. do I get? If they're asking me about my personal experiences, do they want to know about the time that I was three and I choked on a Lego and had to go to the hospital and that was really scary for me, or should I tell them like about my GPA or is that too bland? Like how how much detail are we getting into here? And that's that's, those are great questions. Mm -hmm. So what we usually say is attempt to give them a peek into your life in one aspect um, or another. If you want to give them a little bit of background into your academic life, for example. Maybe you talk about the fact that I struggled my freshman year, and here's why, and then I did the following things to get myself a leg up, and I got more focused and more studious, and then here's where I came out now, and my GPA is this, and I feel much more confident about my academics. That is a lot of background but only about one aspect of your life Mm -hmm. rather than giving them a ton of personal details that may or may not be relevant to the prompt. Um, We also kind of talk about some common prompts. Um, Application and scholarship essay prompts tend to follow trends and a lot of my kids find themselves writing very similar essays for multiple things because they're all kind of asking the same basic question. So we even do some sample questions in class and have kids draft some early essay responses. And then again, save them to your drive. And then when it comes time, if the prompt is beautifully lined up, you can just copy and paste that baby. And right. it, it makes it a lot easier there too. But um, for example... One of the most common essay prompts is um, asking for a time that you have overcome adversity in your life. What's the time that you've had a challenge or a setback? And then what have you done to triumph in mm-hmm. that moment? That's a really common one. And I have a lot of kids that don't have like necessarily a rocky moment. You know what I mean? Where they, you know, got beat up in this amazing boxing match and <sighs> then had to battle back. And, you know, that, that's not real for most kids. So it can be a lot smaller. Again, it can be an academic struggle and then an academic victory right um, it can be something athletic it can be something personal again without getting necessarily super personal slash tragic. Right. We're not necessarily trying to evoke strong emotion from readers. We don't want necessarily a lot of, you know, distress or pity or sadness that we're trying to evoke. We are really focusing on the end emotion. And mm-hmm. in this particular prompt, the end emotion needs to be triumph. Right. Um, and so focusing more on the but then portion right. of the program rather than the sad part in the beginning. Um, another common one is talking about goals. And again, these can be personal goals. They can be academic goals, they can be career goals, um, but that provides for a lot of um, application readers, a nice piece of insight into who you are as a person and what you want. Um, And that goes a long way for them as well. A lot of them ask about a leadership moment. And again, that doesn't have to be that you were ASB president of your high school. Mm -hmm. That's a a strong leadership moment, but only one student has that every year. Um, But it can be a leadership moment of any kind. It can be a moment where you saw something that wasn't right happening and you intervened and did something about it. That can be a moment of leadership. Um, It can be in a job. It can be in a classroom. It can be in an extracurricular group, um, captain of a team or leader of a church youth group, it can be a lot of different things. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be you were named president or captain of something. Leadership looks different in right. a lot of ways. Um, the most difficult one I have a lot of kids struggle with is the super bland tell us about yourself prompt. Again, how much detail do we get into mm-hmm. here? Do they want to know my entire life? Well, it was a misty morning in Colorado <laughs> when I was born at 4.07 a.m. That's... A lot, right? So again, usually I tell them to choose an aspect of your life, give a little background, or you can give a little bit about a lot of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> we got the bell. I think that if students have um, more information, they can absolutely come to the College and Career Center and also consider taking Mrs. Alderman's college prep class Ooh, thank next you. year. Thank you. So thank you so much. Absolutely.